Hi, the Connected Families podcast is made possible by listeners just like us. My name's Jeannie. And I'm Wayne, and we live in Little Rock, Arkansas. We have two grown kids and four wonderful grandkids, Zoe, Nora, Zeke, and Ollie. When we all get to be together, we'd love to connect by playing in parks and going outdoors. I hope you enjoy today's program. Hey, everybody. This is Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to the community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. Listen, you are not alone in your parenting struggles. This podcast is a place to find excellent tools from the Bible, from science, and from the experience of our community that can guide. I'm really glad that you're here today. Today's topic is all about screens. So today we are going to be talking about screens, and I bet you I just mentioned the word screens and every parent everywhere, their ears perk up because we know this is a topic that is important to families. It's probably something that you parents are dealing with maybe even many times a day. We get asked the question a lot. And so I'm just thrilled to be able to invite Arlene Pelicane here to join me. Um, Let me introduce her and then we'll bring her on. Arlene Pelicane is a speaker, host of the Happy Home podcast, and author of several books, including Screen Kids. Arlene has been featured on the Today Show, Fox and Friends, The Wall Street Journal, and Focus on the Family. Arlene lives in San Diego with her husband, James, and their three children. Arlene, welcome to the podcast. So good to be with you. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I'm so glad that you're here. We knew we wanted to bring on an expert. You wrote the book, Screen Kids, and you wrote that book with a co-author, Gary Chapman. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So our, originally it actually came out as Growing Up Social in 2014, and that was with Dr. Gary Chapman. And that has been just such an honor to write alongside of him. And then we refreshed it with new uh, you know, statistics and all sorts of things. So we revised it, changed the titling so it might be a little bit easier to find it. And so that is called Screen Kids. And there's actually a companion book also, Grandparenting Screen Kids, because a lot of grandparents oh. are watching their grandkids a lot more. And this whole iPad thing did not exist 20 years ago and they're not really sure what to do with it. So it's been our joy just to kind of do the research for busy moms and dads and and just bring some different thinking to the topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. We're coming along parents, aren't we? And we're helping Absolutely. them with a hot topic that we don't have experience with. Our grandparents, our parents, they didn't have to deal with this. So we are walking on new territory um, why don't you introduce us to your family? Tell yeah. us about who you yeah. are. I was going to tell you. So, and and we yeah. do really have kids that have computers and stuff. So, so we do, we are living right alongside of you. If you're thinking, where did all these screens come from? We get it. So I've got, we go yeah. boy, girl, girl. So I have a son who's a freshman in college. He's 18. I have a girl who is a junior, Noelle. Um, she is 16. And then I have Lucy. She's our baby. And she's in eighth grade. She's 13. And then Ethan is the name mm-hmm. of our oldest. So we love our kids, my husband, James. So, but we made like some core observations, you know, but as before our kids, when they were really little, 
we would see kids playing, but they weren't playing. They were like, just like looking at, you know, screens together. And we just thought to ourselves, that's, I don't know, maybe there's got to be a different way. So kind of early in parenting, we, we wanted to ask that question, like, how can we be intentional about technology? We're definitely not anti-tech. And I don't want anyone to get that from this conversation. You don't have to check in your iPhone. You don't have to like hang up the work and start writing on paper. Like, you know, you okay, can do Okay. I think parents everywhere just breathe the sigh yeah. of relief. You, you, you can do those things if you want, but you don't have to. This is really about being much more intentional and being wise about it. And that's that's what we hope to bring. And these are things we have tried in our own home. Well, thanks for telling us about your kids. That's fun. I have a freshman in college and a senior in high school too. So, so similar. That, yes. It's a fun season of life for sure. But the screens, yeah, we, we've dealt with it for years now. I just start off the podcast talking about like the state of the world right now, right? Like everything has changed, especially since COVID, the way that even the youngest of our kids are interacting with technology is really different. So it's maybe not a happy place to start today, but I just want to ask you, how is technology impacting our children, especially post-pandemic? Yeah, and we cannot fail to connect these dots. You know, so when we read things like, oh, in a survey of 33,000 college students, two out of three report to be lonely. When we look at elementary school children and 10% of them are coming out as clinically like with anxiety disorder, it's like, what is happening? So we really do need to take these things seriously and connect the dots of, wait a minute, if our children are spending five hours with video games or social media or Netflix, and that would be conservative, you know, the average mm -hmm. child baby is, you know, more like seven to nine. So if our kids are spending so much time sitting down with a screen, it's kind of no wonder that they're lonely. They're not making friends in real life. They're not doing things. So really the impact of technology, we see it all around us from mental health towards you know, broken families, towards lack of connection, you know, not really knowing each other in the home as much as we could, all those things being distracted. And this is something that comes to the church and to the unchurched, to, to every family, to a two-parent home, to a single home, mm -hmm. to a blended family home. It's it's a great equalizer. It comes to us all. And so for us to realize, okay, well, how is this impact emotionally? Like, are, is my child, am I spending quality time with my child? Like face-to-face, -face? I'm not talking about three hours you have to stare at them, but I am talking about <laughs> a 15-minute walk after dinner where you just walk and talk and say, hey, what's going on with your life? Has anyone, you know, has it, have you been hurt lately? What are your triumphs? Like just that, you know, you know, so emotionally our kids are, have been affected by technology because they're spending time with that instead of being with a real person who cares mm -hmm. and loves them. Attention span, you know, you ask any teacher like, oh, the student of today versus the student of 10 years ago. And they're just like, ah, my daughter is in driver's ed, uh, you know, taking these classes. And the 30-year-old the teacher is literally saying, it used to be we'd get one person every month that was just like, kind of like crazy driver. And he said, now we get one a week. And what by crazy driver, it means that they literally say they're young and they literally say, I can't focus. I can't focus. I, I need to like, I need to stop right now. I can't, I can't keep doing this driver's lesson. And it's like really dangerous. Right. And he's just like, this used to only happen a little bit. 
And now it's happening on a regular basis. So our kids aren't able to pay attention because they're used to what? Like a quick video on TikTok and a quick video here. And then I've got a million choices. I don't just have three choices of what to watch. I have 500 choices of what to watch. I don't Mm -hmm. get commercials. I don't get anything. I just whiz by everything in my life. And so everything is so fast. Everything is catered towards exactly what they want. So they're not grateful. And so all these impacts, sometimes we don't connect that, oh, wow, you've been on technology a lot, which does really everything that you want it to do at your beck and call. And that's why you are so ungrateful when you have to do something, whether it's a chore or homework or walking the dog or reading or you know anything like that. So it really does have an impact of our spiritual health. Like how is a child going to be still? And hear God's voice, hear that whisper of the Holy Spirit. If they haven't sat still in, you know, three years, <laughs> you know, just that yeah. time for quiet, you know, there, there's all sorts of things about the brain that we could go into, but let's just say that that prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is the decision-making center that used to, they used to say it didn't develop until 25. Now they're saying age 30, that part oh, wow. that isn't developed because it's not getting enough blood flow because instead kids are on social media, kids are playing games and the body thinks, oh, this is a stressful situation. We got to protect this kid. And all the blood flows to the heart and the lungs, keeping that child alive and breathing in your living room while they slay their dragons and do all these things. And they're stressed out about how many likes am I going to get? And did, oh my word, someone just posted that about me. And instead of going to that prefrontal cortex and giving it blood and nutrients, it's going to all these stress responses in the brain. And as a result, Our children are growing up with this very weak prefrontal cortex. And it is the reason why it's like, why can't you make the decision? Like, why is this decision so difficult to you? Go to sleep or, you know, stay awake till three o'clock in the morning every night and not feel good. So all these things, so many things, but that kind of gives you a a bit of an overview of how it's impacting the brain. That was that was really powerful. Wow. That is, that is important information and so interesting about how development isn't until 30. And that's the reason why. And the idea that our kids are in fight or flight as they're slaying dragons in their games. Yeah. yeah. That's this, brand new information. And, and, we can, wow. and we can see this in our teenagers, but we have to walk this back towards you know, it all comes down to that two-year-old, to that three-year-old, to that four-year-old too. Like, how are they being raised? And of mm-hmm. course, all around us, we see this technology and it's not uncommon at all. Latest statistic I read was half of all two to four-year-olds in America have their own tablet or smartphone. So if you're making decisions to say, you know, we're going to just read books and we're going to do it the old school Mm -hmm. way, you know, you're going to find yourself becoming more unusual, but you're also going to find yourself not having a lot of the same problems that other parents have. So I just want to encourage you, like, realize what the impacts of technology are, and then look at the age of your child right now and, and really formulate that plan moving forward. We're going to talk about that plan because you do talk about how to put together a technology plan for your family. And I do want to spend a lot of time today on that. Also want to mention that we are very aware. I know you are. We are aware here at Connected Families that parents are under a lot of pressure and they have a lot of responsibilities, things to get done every single day. We know that. We hear that. 
even our last podcast we had on Mandy Ariado. She's um, from Mops International and they did a study on the state of motherhood and parents are beyond capacity and we understand that. And so Arlene and I today, we're going to talk about putting a plan together, but we, we are very aware that we want to give you tips that are doable and that you can incorporate into your family. So before we get to the actual plan, I want to ask you a question, Arlene, about families are different, about about the good of technology, okay? So families connect in all different ways. What works for one doesn't work for another. We know that that's the the way it works. So there's families that really love to bond over things like the Marvel series, or maybe it's Heartland, or they're just a movie-watching family, right? That was not my family, Arlene. I can remember my mom literally took the TV and threw it out of the house, like probably <laughs> five times when that's I was so a kid. Funny. That's and the hilarious. Thing about okay, that's my own personal story, which I just, we just, all of us kids just still laugh about that. The question that I want to ask you is what are some good ways that parents, yeah. families can connect over technology? And you really, as a parent, can think of it as a digital vegetable or digital candy. And you can teach this to your toddler. You can teach this to your teenagers. And the idea is, you know, they're there are good things about technology. That's why we buy it. That's why we use it. You know, so you can FaceTime a grandmother that lives 10 states away and you can have story time every week with her, with your grandchild. And then when your grand, when your kid sees grandma, they're like super close. Like that's amazing. So, you know, definitely video, you know, seeing people on video, video calls, all those things, that is always a go. Even the American pediatric says for babies, that is healthy. Like a baby can chat, video chat, with another person. And that's a healthy thing because that person is responding to the baby, all these different things. So that is definitely a green light, a digital vegetable for sure. And just like in real life, you know, the vegetables are good for you. They're nutritious. So digital vegetables are things like the family movie night. If everyone is around the TV watching the same thing, I call that a digital vegetable because as your kids get older, it's really hard to find one thing that everyone wants to watch. And that brings your family together. It gives you common characters, common storyline, things to laugh about, secret things you both all know about, you know? So that's like a really good thing. You know, a sermon, learning a language, uh, learning how to cook, learning, you know, about the world, you know, all those different things, going to a museum in Paris on your computer, like all those things would be really cool digital vegetables. But you and I both know, Stacey, that if you ask your child right now, what are you doing? They're not like, I'm finding out about a water well in Nigeria and how I can support it. You know, that's not what your child is doing. Your kid is definitely doing, they're on digital candy, which is fine for a little bit, just like in real life, a little bit of candy at the end of the day is lovely. But if you eat candy, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Uh, all the way up to your 30, you're going to have a very sick body. And the same is true with kids. If they are watching YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, Netflix, Disney, you know, video games, whatever it is, but that's their constant, they are going to be sick. So that's what we have to be careful of. And, you know, if we have this conversation and teach our kids this way, then you can say like, Hey, are you going to, is that digital candy or digital vegetables? And they can legitimately say like, yeah, this is candy. I'm going to do it for half an hour and then I'm going to put it away, you know, and that's okay. But help your kids understand like, okay, this is kind of fun. But if I 
do this all the time, it's going to actually hurt me in the end. And the digital vegetables, those good things, they're things you pretty much have to serve to your kids. <laughs> Most kids aren't like, please let me, you know, get that math tutorial that's really going to help me tomorrow in class. You, know, you kind of have to make them watch yeah. that. But just know that, yeah, there are good things, but you know they're good because your kids never get in trouble for them. So we mm. know in our gut, you know, like we'll, we'll kind of justify things like, okay, well, they have to have a phone or they have to have the tablet because they have to have this thing in school. So we kind of justify that. But then you realize like, wow, but there's all this other stuff too. So just have that caution. But yeah, there are good things. Absolutely. Digital vegetables mm -hmm. to be enjoyed. I love that. Digital vegetables, digital candy. It's just such a great framing that parents and kids can understand. And yeah. it's really clear. I like that. I can remember when my kids were in middle school and we kind of, we had two living rooms in our house. One was kind of big, one was little. So the cable went into the big living room and I looked around and it was like, here we were having quote unquote family time, but we're all spread out in this room. Yeah. And it was also the season where it was kind of touch was getting a little bit more awkward, right? With middle school. And so I, I wanted to bring closeness around technology. And so I paid to have cable brought to the little living room where I knew we were going to have to put three people on a couch and another one in the other chair. And there was going to have to be touching and maybe legs laying all over each other. Yeah. So we did that in middle school and I loved it. And then we would have intentional family movie night every so often. And that was a way that we connected. I liked so that was my story about yes. that. See, yeah. And so you change the environment. Like you realize like I'm and, and that's, I think, so empowering for a parent to realize, wait a minute, let me rethink this. We can still have this experience. But if we just change kind of where we do it, that kind of impacts things. That was a very mm -hmm. good idea. Really brings connection. Well, um, you started to talk about kind of the effects of not having a plan. It was sort of no plan. And then all of a sudden digital candy just starts running away from us. Right. <laughs> and so the, the no plan and the no intentionality kind of leads us down a road where we might be experiencing some of those impacts that you talked about at the beginning. So the question is, like, why do I as a parent start thinking about putting together a technology plan? Yeah, I would really recommend the documentary, The Social Dilemma. And I, it's for older kids, you watch it first before you show it to your children, but for sure, teenagers can watch it and older kids can watch it, but it just shows you how technology, how the, how you are the end product that our attention as adults, kids attention, that it's not a benevolent phone. You know, that phone has been wired to keep you on as long as possible. And by phone, I mean, you know, video game whatever you're holding, that device. So that social media, that game, that's been tested over and over again by thousands of brain scientists and psychologists and all sorts of people to find out how can we make this as sticky as possible. So to understand that if we don't have a plan for technology and we just kind of embrace it, that it's going to take us down roads that we never meant to go down. And we know this as adults. And so mm -hmm. the same is true with kids. So just understand that it's not a neutral thing. You are not a bad person. You're not a bad Christian. If you're like, oh my goodness, two hours have gone by. What have I done? Like, I didn't mean to do this. Like that is wired. You think of it, Netflix, they introduced post-play. It used to be that you'd watch your show episode and then you'd have to choose to watch the next episode, right? So mm -hmm. the episode would end, you'd walk away. But 
then they introduced post-play, I think like in 2012 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing would queue up automatically. And now you're seeing your favorite character and they're like hanging over a cliff and they're like, now you have to choose not to watch that program. So just have that understanding of I've got to outsmart this in my home because they've spent a lot of time and dollars trying to think of how they can keep my myself, my spouse, all of our kids like on this as much as possible. So you kind of have to get a little bit of rebel in you to say, mm. I will not be manipulated. My children will not be manipulated. We will not buy this lie that if I have this program, you know, like if I have this app, then my preschooler will be able to read. It's like, Actually, if you didn't have any apps and you just read to your preschooler like for 10 minutes a day, they'd probably have a much better chance of reading than using that app all day. So I think it starts, that plan starts with some information, gathering information about what's really going on. And then a stubbornness that says, I will not be duped. I will not, I'm not going to be, you know, the the butt of this joke, you know, like I'm going to know better. And I think what that does is it gives the parent more courage to implement a plan that may be different than someone else's. So again, every child's different. I don't advocate a plan that is like at 13, every child gets this. At 15, every child gets this because all of your children will be different. Your 10-year-old might be able to handle something that your 16-year-old can't because they have a real pressure to perform and to please others, you know, whatever it is. So know your kids. And I would say the biggest things, you know, obviously a plan can get very detailed, but the biggest rocks I would put in there first is make the decision. And if you can pre-decide things before you get there, that's the best scenario. So let's go best scenario. And then we'll go with, okay, I didn't do the best scenario. What do I do now? So best scenario is that they know that the phone will never be in the bedroom overnight. They know Mm -hmm. a screen will never be in the bedroom overnight, even if they're 18 years old until they leave your house. Why? just because they need to sleep. You know, we've all had our phone in our room where we thought someone was going to call us to get picked up at the airport and you don't sleep well. You just are always waiting. Like, is it midnight? Did they, you know, did they come yet or whatever you're waiting? Well, that's what teenagers, kids are doing all the time. They're just waiting for like, well, who's going to message me? And they're not sleeping or they're gaming through the night or they're looking at porn or they're doing all sorts of things because in the middle of the night, you're tired. Your defenses are down. It's dark. You're alone. So this If you just listen to this podcast and you decide, you know what, from day one, we'll never have screens in the room. You will save yourself and your children a world of hurt and they will actually get to sleep at night. So that's one. Um, Mm -hmm. No screens at mealtime. Make mealtime this fun, protected time where mom and dad also don't have their screens. Whenever I talk to teenagers across the country, they will tell me, will you please tell my mom and dad that it is them? that we put our screens down at the table and we really wish that you guys would also put your screens down at the table. So a screen for your mealtime. Really think about when you give that first device to them because when it is your device, you know, you have a lot more control over, okay, now the iPad is on the top shelf and you've already done your hour and it's over. But once you buy little junior, the iPad or the phone, because you're kind of sick of them borrowing yours, but you buy it for them, guess what? Pride of ownership. They're just like, you can't tell me Mm -hmm. what to do with that thing. That thing is mine. So you really want to push that time back as much as possible. Consider Bill Gates, who did not give a smartphone to his children until they were in high school. Mm -hmm. Consider Steve Jobs, who when he was interviewed and asked, how how do your children enjoy the iPad? He said, oh, my kids don't have Mm -hmm. an iPad. Mm -hmm. So we have Mm -hmm. to consider these things. So 
delaying those devices. I think if we let me just jump in right there. I think that's so good. And I remember when we were making decisions to get our kids phones, I made sure I paid at least half for that reason. And it was not like a gift for a birthday or a gift for, yeah, because of that ownership. And when the phone does come and it's okay, you now have a phone. So do just like stop there a minute in the conversation and tell us about how a parent think through that conversation with their kids. Yeah. So one, we always assume we have to go with the smartphone. First have the conversation. What if we got you a Gab phone, G-A-B-B, Gab wireless, which is a dumb phone, but it looks okay. It's a Samsung phone. It looks normal. Just sitting on the table, they won't know. Cause that's the big thing is like, you don't want this big old huge clunky phone. That's like, I'm, you know, you, you get it. So, yeah. and, but that what just, that? you know, it doesn't go on yes. the internet. It doesn't have social media. It doesn't have addictive games, et cetera. So first go with the idea. Just think of it as driving. You don't just give the keys to the car and like, good luck, buddy. You know, there's a a probationary period. There's a time where someone has to be in the car with you. There's not full on thing. And the same thing could be like a dumb phone first and then a smartphone. I really think that's a really good step is just start with that dumb phone where they can text people, they can have music, they can have GPS, but then they do all the things that those are the reasons they talk you into getting the phone in the first place. So they have those things and test them, see how they do with that. Okay. So let's, now we know about those two different kinds. So let's say now you're giving that smartphone to have them understand that, okay, we can enter a contract relationship, but contracts are between adults that, you know, want to like hold up their end of the bargain. So kind of remember, okay, this is a kid, this is a teenager. I don't know if they're going to hold up their end of the bargain. And so let them know, like, you being healthy is my highest priority as you give this phone. And if I see that you are not healthy, you're doing something unhealthy, either you're not sleeping well, you're more depressed, you're more moody, you're neglecting your studies, you're neglecting your chores, you're not playing soccer like you used to, you're, the games are too violent, you're starting to swear, whatever it is. Like if I see this has not been a good thing for you, then that's on me and I'm going to apologize and say, I introduced this thing to your life and I cave to the peer pressure and I'm sorry and I will I will take it away because I love you. Now, is your child going to be like fabulous? No, they're not going to be fabulous, but Sounds good, mom. In in time, they will be. And even maybe months later, they will be. So let them know that we're going to try this. This isn't like a for sure, here's your phone. And from now on, you are the Lord of your own domain and I'm going to leave you alone. No, this is like, we're going to try this. I just want to make sure that you're healthy. And when we see that something is happening, then we're going to experiment. We're going to take it away. So Mm -hmm. they know that. And the key is this child of yours has to have a world outside of the phone. So if Mm -hmm. the entire world is the phone, like I have to game, I have to be on social media. If I'm not in those places, I will be rejected. Like I will be depressed. I will have anxiety. I will not be able to go to school. I will not be able to show my face in the room if I don't have a phone. Then you have to realize, wait a minute, your whole life is built on something so trans, like so transitory. Like it's not, it moves all the time. Like it's not a stable foundation. So to understand when your child knows who they are in Christ, when they have a really real relationship with Jesus themselves, maybe your child isn't a Christian, but when they know they're loved by you, when they have experiences with you, a relationship with you, when they have a relationship in real life with real friends, that when they have an interest in music, in art, in mechanics, in computer coding, whatever it is, like 
like nurture that interest so they know that, okay, if I lost social media and gaming, like my life would not fall apart. That's the key because if your kid, everything is on that phone and then you take away that phone, they're like so devastated, right? And that's what we as parents, we cringe because we don't want them to be so devastated. But that's part of our job is to help them build a life where the phone helps you reach your goals. The mm -hmm. phone doesn't set your goals. The phone mm -hmm. isn't your life. The phone is part of your life. Your phone helps you connect to your real friends that you actually want to see face to face. The phone isn't your real friends that you never see, that you only just see on the phone. Yeah. So, so really my plan is delay that phone as much as possible. When you give that phone, it is on a probationary basis. We can take this at any time and let's just work on this together and, and really have, have that open relationship with your teenager. Cause I'm assuming you're giving this to a teenager, hopefully not to a, th a third grader. And you're having this conversation like, Hey, when, you know, you're on social media now I'm on social media, let's just hold each other you know, accountable in the sense that if I'm the one, if you're like, mom, if you could please stop watching, you know, scrolling Instagram so we could talk, like open that door that, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to check on each other and make sure that this technology isn't taking over. Yeah. There is so much good that you said. I heard so many layers of our connected families framework within that kind of little bit of role play kind of talking, yeah. you know, about how you would talk with your child. But if I was to sum it up, what I hear is you're coming to your child with the spirit of I'm on your team. I'm not yeah. trying to just be mean and take something away or to limit something. Or what I've said to my kids is I'm responsible to the Lord for how I parent you. And it's my job to protect you and to care for you. And I want to do everything that I can to see you succeed, to be your best, to, you know, in life. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think about it, even as far as that conversation of first getting the phone, I remember that I made it really clear that I can look at the phone at any time. And I would really make it a point. Let's sit together together, we're going to look through your phone and I can do this at any time. And that was just really clear. It was part of why I wanted to make sure that I paid for a lot of that phone. I think that even as my kids are older now, that's really important because as they get older, it, that can be a sticking point <laughs> more and more, not so much when they're younger. And I um, will tell you, like for our home, we have the extreme plan. So you guys don't have to do this extreme plan, but I want you to know it exists. So we didn't, we gave the first smartphone at the end of high school. So before college, and then people ask like, well, how do they do things? Like, how do they get around things? You know, and, and, you know, obviously at school from junior high on, you know, they're getting an iPad or a laptop from school. So they have that. So they'll chat with their friends that way. And then on using their iPad or, or the laptop and they'll get in chats and they'll say like, here's where we're going to meet and this and that and the other thing. And then if they need a phone, they use my phone. So my daughters follow who they want to follow on Instagram on my phone. And then they'll scroll through that and kind of get caught up and look at things for fun. So there are ways to get around this. And it really does come to, I just want parents to know that this is possible. Like it's a, it's not like so crazy that sure. Did my daughter, because she's not on social media in high school, does she miss certain posts? Like, does she miss things when her friends get together? Did she miss something that was posted? Yes, she does. Mm -hmm. 
But Mm -hmm. she says the kinds of friends I have, they don't make me feel like stupid about that. They just like engage me like normal. And then they just might show me like, oh, look at what so-and-so did. It's like not a big deal because that's the kind of friend that you want. Mm -hmm. And she says, though, even though I miss that, think of all that I gain. Because she'll say that even her friends, she's a junior in public high school, she'll even say her friends will say, wow, I'm really jealous of you because you have all this time to like do stuff you like, you know, where I have mm-hmm. to check my phone and be sure I'm like caught up on everything. So yeah. it, it is like you're trading one set of sorrows for another, right? And mm-hmm. you just kind of have to weigh out, do I want my child to be different because they don't have something and maybe left out? Or do I want my child to have the same like everyone else, but then maybe experience, you know, there's not very many parents I know that say, wow, my child was insecure. So we got her this phone. So she'd feel like she fit in and now she's on social media and wow, she really feels like she fits in now. No, you know, those Mm. parents are heartbroken and they're saying Mm. my daughter gets eaten up on social media every day and we're going to counseling, you know, Mm. so just understand you are trading, you know, it's going to be inconvenient somewhere. So where do you Mm -hmm. want that inconvenience to be? Yeah. You know, I remember struggling with some of that too, because me, uh, us as parents, and it was also his choice to not be on some social media. But one of my girls particularly just struggled with friendships and everyone was talking on Snapchat and we didn't have Snapchat. So, you know, I had to really do a check of my own anxiety and my own stress of my daughter's struggle building friendships and thinking, kind of buying the I would say almost a lie that she was being left out because she was not in Snapchat. Now, maybe she did miss out on a few things, but I think what you just said was really important because there was a little social anxiety there. Would social anxiety be alleviated because she was on Snapchat and then seeing and hearing about everyone who's getting together and she's not invited? I don't think so. So, you know, years down the road and and remembering that whole scenario from back in the day, man, I'm so glad I did not cave on that. So I just say here, here to that. Yeah. Hey, everybody. You know, Heather, our social media manager here at Connected Families, is doing some really fun things on social media this month. She has a contest for you to win prizes when you post photos of your family getting outside and letting the joy bombs blow. I think I'm even going to post a few throwback pictures of maybe when my girls were small. But there's links in Instagram and Facebook or in our show notes to get more information about that. And listen, if you need ideas about how to get your kids laughing, moving, and maybe just outside, we have 60 tried, tested, and fun ideas in a free resource. You can get it in your show notes. It's called 60 Creative Ways to Get Kids Moving and Laughing. You know, fun movement activities can go a long way towards keeping everyone sane. Well, this list of over 60 ideas is adapted from a big comprehensive list that was developed by a pediatric therapy clinic. It includes activities to calm angsty kids as they also gain strength, balance, and coordination, all with a good dose of learning and laughter. Well, the document is adapted from content we normally make available exclusively to our coaching clients, but it's our free gift to you today and this month. You can find the link in our show notes. And 
Make sure you go to Facebook or Instagram and check out our fun contests and post photos of your family having fun together. You know, we're going to close the show soon, but I just want to ask you, like, as far as putting together a technology plan, like, are there any other real specifics that a parent should think through? We've kind of talked about the conversation. You've said you don't have a prescription of when to give a phone a child. I really like the, I don't remember the the brand that you said, but it's the. Yeah, the Gab Gab phone, phone. Mm -hmm. G-A-B-B, yeah. Yep. Our phones, we cleaned them up and took internet off of them when the girls first got them. So a a pared down version. What else specifically can a parent think about? And really get a piece of paper and write down these things. So video games, social media, tablet. So think hardware, software, apps, shows, because it's huge, right? But you could put Mm -hmm. it kind of in clumps. How are we going to treat YouTube? How are we going to treat the streaming services? Are we going to have, how many streaming services are we going to have? You know, what are the rules of those streaming services? And you can see this is quite endless, but just put on a piece of paper, you know, the hardware, like what kind of phones and devices are we going to have? And then what apps are we going to allow? What games are we going to allow? What social media are we going to allow? What kind of movies? How are we going to talk about this? How are we going to treat this? And if you can kind of pre-decide and communicate to your kids, like, okay, we're going to do it where it's going to be. We know you guys love this digital candy. We get it. But we we also know that we want you to learn how to read. We want you to play outside. We want you to have fun with your friends. We want you to learn how to cook, whatever. And really watch your children. Like, what are their interests? Like, if they love sports, then lean into that. They love music. Lean into that. They love art. Lean into that. You know, just lean into what they like and make it a priority for them to realize, yeah, I want to do that more. So you don't just say, okay, we're just going to turn everything off have fun. Instead, okay, we're going to turn everything off and this is what we're going to replace it with. So you do have to think of what are those positive things that you and your family really like that you're going to replace it with. So a plan might look like, okay, one hour a night of digital candy and you guys get to pick whatever candy you want. I mean, it could be YouTube because my goodness, you can't monitor everything, you know, so you want to make it so specific that it's like they have to check a box before they do anything, but, but, but habits, that's what you're building habits. Mm -hmm. So one hour of that. Okay. All screens go dark at eight o'clock at night so that we can start getting ready for bed. You know, that's a great habit. My teenager, you know, she's 16. She's her own. She came up to me herself and was like, you know, mom, I see that when I watch movies at night, cause again, she doesn't have a phone, but she has YouTube. So she's watching a movie at night and she'll say, I, I realize if I watch a movie at night, then I have a harder time going to sleep. And I'm talking, you know, nine to 11, nothing crazy. But so she says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop watching at like 830 and then I'm going to shift to like my studying because that puts me to sleep, you know, in a book. So she's going to study. And I was like, that's so smart. Like watch your TV first. And then why don't you read for an hour? And for sure you'll go to sleep and then that'll feel Mm -hmm. so nice. So just work with your kids of like, these are the rhythms. And then they don't have to think about the plan all the time. They just do the plan all the time. So a set bedtime start there like every and and if you're having trouble with that then the set early time that everyone has to wake up regardless of the mood or the feeling or the tiredness and then that bedtime that you're insisting on that's going to come into place a little 
easier if everyone's getting up at a certain time. Get that bedtime rhythm down, and that's going to be a huge piece in your plan. And then work out that free time. Okay, one hour of free time with this, but then, you know, other activities. It's funny if you put in the big things first. So they're doing this study, and we'll end with this with the 10,000 kids, and they're looking at their brains and they're, you know, following them. And they just found that if they just do three things, get like eight plus hours of sleep every night watch two hours or less of digital candy and exercise for one hour a day. Like if they will do those three things, they have these huge gains on everyone else. Like they're hugely healthy compared to other people. So in your media plan, you have to overcomplicate it. Just make sure they're getting enough sleep. Make sure that they are exercising. They're moving around for a cumulative amount of one hour a day. It doesn't have to be all in a row. And that they're watching two hours or less of digital candy. And honestly, if you just focus on those three things, you'll be doing really, really well. I do have one practical question. Do you have any resources? You talked about like YouTube for parents. Those are so hard to monitor what they're watching, you know, what YouTube's feeding them. Do you have any organizations or just any, any yeah. help well, definitely- to help monitor? Definitely my book, Screen Kids with Dr. Gary Chapman, just to get more information. Um, and then in terms, I I honestly think that the best thing you can do it's, it, is just the limiting the access to the device because mm -hmm. that you can't watch and monitor your child all the time. You know, there's, you can look up open DNS and there are things and just Google that. It's more like, to me, it's more like a guy thing. Like I find it a little bit complicated, but it's basically yeah. showing, you know, you, you know, uh, whitelisting things and, and not so that th some things can get in and some things can't get in. So that, that I think that's really important to help filter through what's happening, but to realize, yeah, YouTube, even YouTube kids, they're going to recommend things that don't align with your values that, that are going to lead your kids astray. So to me, a lot of that solution is either a time limit where you can't monitor forever, but maybe you can monitor for 15 minutes and be more like checking in, checking out, what are you doing? And then honestly, like just the old fashioned DVD, like hold on to that, like go to the thrift store and get that because you know exactly what your child is watching and it has an ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who, when her kids were in middle school, just sort of growing these muscles, it would be, hey, Let's all sit together on the couch and you can surf, you can get your candy, your digital candy, and we'll all do it together on the couch for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Let me just ask another really practical question about just filters for like for porn suggestions. Yeah. So again, you know, covenant eyes, that's something to look at that, you know, that is porn related. Yeah. And then another expert in pornography and just really helping your kids because a lot of it is talking to them and helping them understand what's happening in the brain. Because I think we can even, even if you were not a Christian, to think of what does this do for your health? I think that's a good thing to talk to kids about because they can think, oh, you're just saying this because we're Christian. But yeah, we are saying this because we're Christian, but there are other reasons. So John Fobert, F-O-U-B-E-R-T, has a lot of resources about pornography. Uh, I had him okay. on the Happy Home podcast recently. He's excellent. Okay. Oh, great. Thank you for that. And I'm sure you would say this too, but I think if we're going to give a smartphone to our kids, there needs to be filters and protections on it yes. 100%. And it's because of what you even said earlier. Billions of dollars have been spent on how to 
get us into the technology and capture us. So yeah, yeah. So like things like bark, you know, to kind of keep keep things in check. You know, that's helpful, and those things are helpful. But to understand too, it's it's the heart and what they're used to, because obviously they can find that on. A, there's always a workaround. There's always a workaround that that kid's going to find. So it's really helping them be discerning. And a lot of that is just limiting when they're young, that their brains are able to develop without that dependency. Marlene, this is just so good. I just want to say again that what I've heard in the the spirit of the whole conversation has just been coming alongside your child. And so we just, you know, invite them into the conversation, present your plan and say, hey, what are your thoughts? You know, do you have any changes you would like to make? I'm open to them. You know, let's work together on this. Let's start with this plan and and then we can change it if it doesn't work and we can come up with a different system. And that's just a really good spirit for parents to work with kids. Maybe not when they're super tiny because they need, you know, you need to guide that stuff, but especially as they get to 10, 11, 12, middle school, and then even older. And I just think then, hey, we're linking arms with our kids. And if and you want to add a power yeah. layer to that, you say to them now, what can I do better with technology for you? Yep. And you honor the plan they give you as well. And they ask you, what do you think about my plan? Mom or Dad? <laughs> that's the, that's the power layer. If you're ready for yeah. 2.0. I love it. Yeah, that's good. Because I think that it's been surprising how us parents have gotten sucked in really fast too over the years. So Arlene, thanks so much for being here. If people want to get a hold of your book, learn more about who you are and your ministry, how would they do that? They can go to ArlenePelicane.com, ArlenePelicane.com. The uh, podcast is called The Happy Home, and I have online courses for my books at HappyHomeUniversity.com. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. Be sure to go to the show notes and click the link to get the free resource that we were offering this month called 60 Creative Ways to Get Kids Moving and Laughing. This is a great tool to start the summer. But we are a listener-supported organization. Over 50,000 parents like you listen to this podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. See you next time.